Our text today is in John chapter number 10. Today we have finished our Easter series that we've been going through, and now we're going to go back and start another new series. We're looking at John chapter 10 for our text today, John chapter number 10. I grew up in a house just over here on the Sour Springs Road, and as I was growing up, we lived in a government house on the wildlife refuge, and there was a big cement porch on the front, and if you went up onto the porch, you'd go through the front door, you'd turn right and go into the living room. And when you went into the living room, if you looked over on the right-hand corner, there was my father's chair. And he had a bookshelf next to his chair where he studied and read his Bible regularly. But behind his chair was an old white two-panel door. And when I was just a young boy, I began to wonder, what's behind that door? My father's chair was in front of the door, so I couldn't get behind the chair to open the door. So I began to imagine what could be behind that door. I think it might be a secret room. And there's something in that hidden in that secret room. Well, inquiring minds, they say, must know. So I remember I asked my parents, just tell me what is behind that door. And they said to me, there's nothing behind that door. And I did not believe a word of it. I thought, why would there be a door there if there's nothing behind it? So finally, when no one was looking, I tried to open that door. But it wouldn't open. So now I was positive there's a secret room behind that door, and I imagined it was dusty with cobwebs, and laying on the floor was some old wooden box waiting for someone to open and find that long hidden treasure. So I decided what I would do is get my mother alone in the living room, and I would ask her what was behind that door, because I knew my mother would always tell me the truth. So finally the day came, Mom was alone in the living room, and I went and I said, okay, Mom, so what's behind the door? She said, there's nothing behind the door. And I thought, Dad must have got to her, they're in cahoots. So I said, well, why don't we just open the door and see Somebody put a door there, and they didn't do it for no reason. Mom said, you can't open a door. It doesn't open, and there's nothing behind it anyway. Now, that was very illogical to me. There's a door there. Somebody put it there for a reason. I began to have dreams, I remember, about what was behind that door. It kind of haunted me. I thought, maybe it's just a little small space. Maybe it's a hiding place for people like the Underground Railroad. It's a secret closet. Or maybe, I remember what I heard mom saying one day, maybe there's a skeleton in that closet. (laughs) I heard mom talk about people with skeletons in their closets. So maybe that's why nobody wants to open that door. So for a couple of years, that door was a great 
mystery to me. Why won't anybody open that door? And what's behind that silent, mysterious, scary, and inviting door? As I grew a little older, I began to understand spatial concepts. I remember I was standing in the doorway... I could lean over and look down behind my father's chair, and there was that door right there. And if I just leaned over the other way, I could look out the window in the kitchen, and there was the wall right there. And there was no space in between. I was afraid I suddenly discovered Mom was right. There isn't any. It can't be a secret room because there's no space for a secret room there. Finally, I realized that at one time there had been two doors that went off to the porch and one of them went through the living room. Somebody had put siding over that door and just left the door in the living room. And so there it was on the inside wall and all my hopes and dreams faded away. There wasn't any hidden treasure. There wasn't any skeletons There wasn't even a secret room there. Just a stupid door on the wall. So, no cobwebs, no dust of the ages. It was a door that had lost its purpose. A door with no reason to exist. For a couple of years, that door had been a source of of many imaginations in my mind, many creative possibilities, as I wondered what was behind that door. Now that very idea, what's behind the door, was one of the most popular TV game shows of all time. Do you remember it? Let's make a deal, right? What's behind door number one? What's behind door number two? Door number three? And uh, the contest would, the contestant would choose, I want door number one. So naturally they went to door number two and opened it up, then door number three. And you just couldn't wait to see what was behind door number one. It's a very effective way to build suspense. What is hiding behind the closed door? There's got to be something behind that closed door. Now, in our text today, we're going to talk about a door. And naturally, then, what's behind the door? Now, we begin a new series today, and the topic for our new series is God. When Jesus took a human form and was born in Bethlehem's manger, he had a purpose, he had a mission. He lived among men for 33 and a half years, and then he was crucified. He died on that old rugged cross, and he died for us. He actually died, the Bible tells us, in our place, because we know sin must always be punished. So he died as a substitute, and he took the punishment for our sins so he could offer us forgiveness. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. He had gone into the grave and come back out. He defeated death, and then he could offer us eternal life. That was his mission, to offer us forgiveness and eternal life. That's why he took a human form and came to this earth on that first Christmas morning. 
But there are more reasons that Jesus came to earth. Another purpose for his coming to this world was to explain to us who God was and what God was like. We say he came to reveal God to us, to help us understand God. And when he died on that cross, we certainly did understand how much God loved us. Wow, he really loved us if he would do that for us. And when he rose from the dead, we understood how powerful God was to go into the place of the dead and then turn around, tear the bars away, and come back out. Oh, yes, he was very powerful. So Jesus, the whole time he was here on earth, was always explaining to us what God was like. My friends, that information is really important for us to know. We need to know as much as we can about God. And here's why it's so important. We live in a world that wants us to ignore God. This world has systems, it has methods of operations, and offers a way of life that excludes God completely. Now the Apostle Paul gave us a warning about how the world works. And he said this, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of of God. The world has imagined every possible way to get rid of God from our lives. And he says there is an arrogance about it. The high things he called them. A feeling of superiority that says in this world, I don't need God and neither do you. So this world tries to keep us in the dark and to keep us from knowing about God. And in case you're not sure about that, let me make it clear. In this world today, right now, liquor stores are considered essential, and churches have been labeled not essential, and that is high arrogance that tries to tell us you don't need God. We are here to cast down that arrogance and smash those imagined ideas into dust and declare to you this morning, God is the only thing in this world that is truly essential. You can't live without Him. You need the knowledge of God. You need to know who He is and how He behaves. It is the most important thought your mind could possibly entertain. So for the next few weeks, we will learn from Jesus who God is. And we will use the teachings of Jesus to educate ourselves as to what God wants us to know about himself. Fortunately, Jesus was the most creative teacher of all times. And he used plain, ordinary, everyday things that we could grasp to explain to us how God works in the human heart. So we begin today learning about God. John's Gospel, chapter number 10. I begin reading at the first verse. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the door sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goes before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake to them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If by me any man shall enter in, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so we learn... Jesus said, I am the door. That's wooden hinges. A door. Something we are all very familiar with. We've all got doors. In my house, there are 21 doors. We are constantly opening and closing doors. I'm sure your house is the same way. You don't have to count them right now. But when you get home, you can count them all if you want. We are continually going through doors from one space to another. Doors are used to separate different spaces. I have three outside doors and three screen doors with those. The purpose of those doors is to keep that 20 degrees temperature out. When somebody stands with a door open, I say, close the door, it's cold outside. The door separates 20 degrees from my cozy 70 degrees and our nice warm fires inside. I want doors to separate the cold from my house. Now, I have a family room where the television can be watched. So I put a door between the family room and the next room so I could read and study in the living room and not be bothered by the TV. The door separates me from the noise of the television. Of course, we got bathroom doors and bedroom doors that have obvious purposes. A closed door means something. A closed door means I want to be separated from you. A closed door is a message. It says you are not invited. You must stay out. The door is closed. Now Jesus is talking about sheep in a fold. A sheepfold is an enclosure. It's a place of safety for sheep. And in a sheepfold... There's only one door. Now Jesus says if a thief comes, he doesn't go through the door. He's a thief, so he avoids the door, and that's how you know he's a thief. He doesn't use the door. 
He has come to harm the sheep, to steal, Jesus said, and kill and destroy. But the shepherd comes through the door. He calls to the sheep, and they recognize him and follow him through the door. Now, when Jesus told that story, people said, what's he talking about? We all know about sheep and shepherds and sheepfolds. So Jesus is trying to explain his point to people, and he says this, I am the door. Now, there's a porter in Jesus' story. Porter is a doorkeeper. We have porters at our church. The porter who keeps the door, a person to guide you up to the door and to invite you to enter the door and say, come in. So think about it now. Think about a door that separates two spaces. There are two different spaces, outside cold, a door, inside warm. TV room noise, a door inside quiet. Then sometimes outside you, a door inside me. Jesus said, I am the door. There are two separate things. Outside the door, and then the door, and inside. Jesus said, Here's where you are. I am a door into another place. Now, my friend, if you're outside the door, don't you wonder what's on the other side? Doesn't it intrigue you that there's something on the other side of the door that's not where you are? Don't you want to know what's on the other side of the door? My friends, Jesus was very clever when he called himself a door. We deal with doors all the time. We think, use words that are really about doors. We call this here the great outdoors. I don't know about you, but I want to leave this outdoors and go through that door up there back into that church. There's something I want on the other side of that door. Now Jesus said, I am the door. There's something inside that door. What is it? What's behind door number one? Jesus said, on the inside of the door, there is life. He says, a much better quality of life on the inside of the door He uses a word to describe it. He says, it is abundant. It is a full life, a satisfying life, where the portions are very large. You want joy? Go through the door. There's a lot of it there. You want peace? There is always large amounts of it on the other side of that door. You want security? On the other side of that door is eternal security. You want to stop struggling? 
On the other side of that door, there is rest. Are you afraid? On the other side of that door, you can lean on the everlasting arms of God. The porter, in Jesus' story who invites you to come in, is the Holy Spirit of God. He whispers in your ear. He always whispers in your ear says, Come, come in. And he whispers to us and says, No one who wanted to come in has ever been turned away. Jesus says, Now come to me. I am the door. I provide an entrance into the abundant lifestyle. I am the door. Now there are people who try to avoid the door. Don't listen to them. They are thieves and robbers. Jesus is a door to a new life. To enter that door will make you familiar with Jesus' voice. You will learn to recognize his voice. It is a very pleasant and inviting voice. And he says, come in and I will lead you in and out, in and out through the door. And each time you go in, you'll know more about Jesus. Each time you go in, you'll understand more about him. You'll grasp what he's like. You'll want to be with him. My friends, that is what's behind the door. It's no fake door like mine when I grew up. It's no illusion. When we were kids, we used to sing a song. One door and only one. Yet it's sides are two, inside and outside. On which side are you? One door and only one. Yet it's sides are two, I'm on the inside. On which side are you? And so Jesus helped us to understand that coming to Jesus is like going through a door into another world. Jesus said, I am the door, so whatever you do, my friends, open that door. Go through it. Yes. Learn to regularly enter the door until you are familiar with the sound of Jesus Christ's voice. He will call you there. He will acquaint you with himself there. You will learn who God is and you will understand who he is. Just go through the door. He couldn't have said it any plainer or simpler when Jesus said, I am the door. So I urge you today, open the door Go into that room. It is not secret. It is open. It is real. He invites you. Please come in. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you helped us. You opened up our minds that we might use the things we know to learn about you. And Lord, for those who have stood outside that door and waited, Lord. We ask that you will urge them to come in. You will open the door and invite them in, and that they will choose today to enter that door. Bless us, Lord. Help us that we might know who you are, and it will warm our hearts as we get to know you better. 
ask your blessing on these people gathered here, for they have come today. We are grateful that they are here, and ask that you bless everyone. Give them a special blessing, because they've gathered here with us today. Down in our hearts, we thank you most of all for being near to us. We need you every hour, and we're glad that we have you. Without you, we don't know what we'd do. So here we are, your children. We've gone through your door. We ask that you will come close to us now. Speak to us. Let us hear your voice till we recognize it perfectly. Bless us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing the doxology together. Stand, if you will. Uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow. answers, that you offer us a way to get to the other side, but you are that door. And we know that you have given us an opportunity to be away from the things of the world. You've given us an opportunity to be in that new life with you, that secret place that we can be with you on the other side, on the inside. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be ready to accept that and receive that and to know that there is a special place when we are close to you. There is no other place in all the world like on the other side of the door, Jesus Christ. We just pray that you would help us to listen to that plea to come on the other side of the door, to go there and to be on that other side. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings we have and thank you, Lord, that you have done great things. And we know that we ought to glorify your name for these things. And so we pray that we would do that in all of our words and songs and praises. May they go up to heaven today. We thank you for all of those things. And we ask for protection and care on all of these people. Bring them all back to this place, wherever they are across the world, Lord. We ask for your hand and your special help for all of them. In your name we pray. Amen. 